0: So I was sitting there in the nut ward, commiserating with with myself. What's a nice guy like me doing in a place like this? And this dumb psychiatrist, who couldn't see that my problems were strictly marital, walked up behind me and wanted to know, would I be willing to talk to a man from Alcoholics Anonymous? And I thought, my God don't I have enough problems of my own without trying to help some drunk from AA? You know? <laughs> okay. I could tell by looking in his face that he thought it was a good idea. And I decided right there that happiness on a nut ward is having a happy psychiatrist. And, and, and I said, yes, and in no time at all, this clown comes galloping into the room yelling at the top of his voice, my name is Frank and I'm an alcoholic. Ha, <laughs> ha, I was embarrassed for him. Meeting a perfect stranger and the only thing he could think about to talk about himself was he was an alcoholic, for God's sake. In fact, everything he said, he said in a loud voice. Us drunks and us alcoholics and Alcoholics Anonymous. I thought, my God, man, why don't you lower your voice? Uh, These people all think I'm a nut. Why don't we leave it at that? (laughs) Another thing I didn't like about the nut ward is they wouldn't let you stay in bed in the morning. You had to get out of bed, and if you wouldn't go and make moccasins and you had leather belts, you had to go and sit in the day room. And the day room is a big room, and one whole wall was glass. And on the other side of the glass was the... Sidewalk to the main entrance of the hospital, which was right there. And I could just see my patients walking by, looking in. "Oh, hello, Dr. Paul. How are things in the network? you yeah. know) Anyhow, this Frank told this loud-mouthed story. I don't remember long and on. Very interminable story. And I don't, he finally, it, it, it's, I don't remember anything he said, but I know it ended by him saying, Well, that's my story. I'm going to a meeting tonight. Would you like to go along? And I said, Hell no, I won't like it. But I'll go. And we went. And I have no idea what meeting we were at. In fact, I don't know how many meetings we went to before I knew what meeting we were at. But I knew that meeting had a profound effect. It had a profound effect on the psychiatrist. Uh, <laughs> now he was uh, suspiciously very interested. Uh, Want to know what's this about a book? Uh, what's this about uh, meetings? How often do they have meetings? What's this about steps? What other kinds of meetings do they have? When do you go to another meeting? And I thought, my God, I've got me an alcoholic psychiatrist. <laughs> he's ashamed to go, so he's sending me. Yeah. <laughs> So I wanted to go to every meeting I could, so I could get enough brownie points to get out of that dump. And and, uh, I told Frank I wanted to go every night. Frank was good about that, Uh, except for one uh, Friday night, Friday night, he didn't know that he would be going. He thought maybe on Friday night he might have a date with uh, Carolyn. And I thought, well, that's a hell of a way to run an organization. And I reported him to the psychiatrist. Uh, who got somebody else to take me on Friday night and uh, I finally got enough brownie points and I got discharged from the hospital and I had no intention of going back. Why would I go back? I wasn't an alcoholic. The only problem was that Max liked the meetings. And uh, of course, once I found that out, you know, it threatened her. if She didn't shape up. I wouldn't go to AA anymore. And, uh, I said that once too often. And she did what she couldn't do. She drove down to Laguna Beach from Anaheim, went by herself, went to meeting by herself. She couldn't drive the freeway. She didn't know how to get that far, but she did it anyway. She went off, went to the AA meetings by herself. Have you ever tried that? You ever tried sitting at home on a Saturday night drinking while your non-alcoholic spouse is off laughing it up at an AA meeting? (laughs) I found it boring. Uh, I had to go back to meetings, find out what they were laughing about. I found out the alcoholics laugh at anything, yeah. laugh at nothing, uh, laugh just to be laughing. Then I sat there trying to figure it out, seven months, and I ended up going to one meeting too many, <laughs> and one night I laughed with them, <laughs> haven't had a drink since. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Yeah, the laughter. Laughter is very uh, spiritual to me. In fact, I'm convinced that my higher power laughs. <clears throat> my higher power laughs every time he hears alcoholics and Al Anon's laugh, even if he doesn't understand the joke. <laughs> just enjoys the laughter. And uh, so I've been coming back ever since. And uh, when I first became an alcoholic, I was just very, very mild alcoholic. Very mild. Just. Almost a (laughs) non-alcoholic. But I I had to keep coming to meetings in order to uh, drink. In fact, I decided that uh, uh, I came into this thing um, embarrassed to be here. I I thought, my God, I'm at the bottom of the social barrel. And I had this overwhelming sense of failure in all areas of my life. and I turned into an alcoholic, and I found out I had to become an alcoholic in order to quit drinking. And then I thought, you know, if I'm going to be in AA, if I failed in everything else, I ought to at least succeed in this, for God's sake. You can't If you can't get any lower than this, you got to at least succeed here. And um, I decided I wanted to be a successful member of AA. Simple request, it seemed to me. And... Uh, I didn't make a pact with anybody else, just with myself. I decided I was going to be a successful member of AA. In fact, I even went so far. At that time, they talked about stick with the winners, stick with the winners, stick with the winners, they said. I thought well, if I'm going to stick with the winners, I ought to find out what a winner is. So I asked Chuck C. He'd been sober 100 years or so. and <laughs> He knew everything. And uh, I said, I said, what's a winner? And I was surprised when he had to, had to think about it. And he said, well, I guess you have to die sober. And I thought, die sober? <laughs> God, that reminded me of how I used to plan on being one of the saints. Ha-ha uh, <laughs> yourself. I, uh, I was really going to do it. I went and got the book, Lives of the Saints, big, thick book. I was reading up. I decided which one was going to be my role model. I was going to be a saint, and trying to pick my role model until I found out that the final thing about being a saint, you can't be a, declared a saint until you've been dead 300 years.
1: <laughs>
0: and I thought, well, screw that. You know, <laughs> I've never been happy about anything you have to die to get the accolades for. So I lost my sainthood. And I... Uh, And I thought, well, if I have to die to be a winner, I'll just be a successful member of AA. And over the years, I've changed a little bit what my criteria is to be a successful member of AA. But I don't know any successful members of AA who drink. And um, (laughs) then I found out that if I want to keep from drinking, I've got to keep going to meetings. It takes a lot of meetings to keep from drinking. But the more I went to meetings, the more I realized that if I want to stay sober, I've got to work the steps to stay sober. And then once I worked the steps, I kept going going to meetings and working the steps and seeing what was going on around me. And I found there are a lot of people, seems to me a lot, who go to meetings long enough to stay sober to find out they have to work the steps in order to stay sober and work the steps then find out they don't need the meetings anymore and end up getting drunk after 15, 20, 30, 40 years. So I thought, I've got to do both. I need to keep on with the meetings and keep on with the steps in order to stay sober. And I've been doing that right long, and it's uh, been working real well for me. And I uh, plan to keep that up. I keep on plan to keep on doing what I'm doing. And uh, I, I, I... I was going to say I enjoy working the steps. And I stumbled over that. Uh, <laughs> well, only in the sense that uh, it's not... Working the steps isn't always fun, fun, fun. But I enjoy the life that I get from living... from doing the steps, I, and I um, have gotten involved in a pamphlet on how to study the first 164 pages of the book and how to do the steps when you come to it. It's not a step study, it's a step do it, and being involved with that. As a part of that, I, redo the st- I have redone the steps, it turns out, about every five years, and it, what my experience is is that every time I've done that, I've moved to a new plateau in my sobriety. I'm not saying yeah, that's what anybody else should do. I know a lot of people say you do the steps once and that's all, and then you do the maintenance steps. And then there are other people who say you do the steps every year. I don't care what you do. I'm just saying what I do and what this worked for me. And uh, I like it that way. And uh, I enjoy the steps. I, I, I touched on the third step before, and I really enjoy the third step, turning my will and my life over the care of God. And I tell Him, God, uh, you take my life and do what you want with it. And I'll pedal. And you steer, and for God's sake, watch where you're going. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm I'm sick of some of the places we've been, you know. And, <laughs> okay. and, uh, in fact, I have a um, at uh, my den at my office at home. I have a, a plaque-like thing. It's a a photocopy of the one page of the. Uh, Magazine or the book section of the LA Times, and it's a has a picture of the author and the name of the book, and it has a quote from the book. And I have have it up there because I like the quote from the book. And the quote says, I suppose if I'd got the job I wanted at Montgomery Ward, I never would have left Illinois. Simple enough statement. I suppose if I'd have gotten the job. I wanted at Montgomery Ward. I would never have left Illinois. The author didn't get the job at Montgomery Ward, and he didn't leave Illinois. And he became a uh, a sports and that radio sports announcer, a uh, movie actor, uh, a union president, the governor of California, and president of the United States. And uh, you know that's so uh, much like what we hear at. We don't get what we want, but we get what's according to God's plan. And um, I need to remember uh, things like that. Uh, I—it's—it's uh, it's often best when I don't get my way. Uh, and I, um, I, I this business of uh, enjoying working the steps. Uh, I, the more I think of that, the more I think of it. Uh, <laughs> Like the, I, uh, it's a, such a profound difference, the sixth and seventh step are such so profoundly different than what I feel I was taught all my life. I was always taught, as I understand it, that I could have done better if I'd have tried harder. All I had to do was try harder. and And, and today I look back at, it, and I was trying as hard as I could all the time. I really think I have been doing my best at every moment of my life, up to and including this moment. And so is everybody else. All, if we could try it harder, we would have tried harder. But the thing that I like, I always thought that it was up to me to correct my defects of character, that I should work on them, and that I should ask God to help me get rid of my defect of character. And that anything I wanted to do, I need to ask God to help me do what I wanted to do. That was an epitome of that was, I was asking him to help me with my drinking problem. Help me, help me, for God's sake, help me. <clears throat> and I thought he was saying, screw you, Paul. Uh, but he wasn't. It, it, it th- what I found is that God won't, won't help me. God won't help me do his will, my will. He won't help me do my will. But he's perfectly willing for me to help him do his will. Talking him into helping me do what I want, and uh, it's the same way with my defects of character i uh I, I I have to become friendly with them I have to become friendly with my defects. I used to fight them and they love that they they're really energized by that they, and, uh, they, I have to be become friendly with them and hope to have them removed whenever he removes them uh, I'm having a little difficulty finding the words to what I want to say now it's not that having difficulty knowing what I want to say because the people in my head are uh, arguing about what I ought to be talking about. Uh, (laughs) You're sitting there very quietly and very attentive and I appreciate that. People in my head are chattering away like man they're One of them says something I ought to talk about, and before I can say anything about it, another one over here says, no, no, don't talk about that, talk about this, and before I can do anything about that, a third one says, no, 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 talk about this thing, and they get the fighting back and forth among themselves, and it's really very distracting. Uh, (laughs) And and I I think, well, shut up up there, you know, and they shut up, and I can't think of anything to say, and it's uh, In fact, that's one of the biggest things about doing the steps and living this program. I've gotten along more, I'm much more comfortable with them up there. I mean, I don't fight, fight them anymore. They, just no fighting them. It's just, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't do everything they suggest. I mean, <laughs> you, I'm so glad you can't hear the stuff I have to listen to. <laughs> A lot of this stuff is illegal. And uh, and, and even more of it is lewd, and I. <laughs> uh, so, but I don't fight them, and then it's, the things they suggest are out and Because re, really, I don't fight them. Thank you for participating. Now, if you'll sit down, I'll call on somebody else. You know, and <laughs> I, I, let, I listen to everybody, and then I decide what uh, I'm going to do and how it's going to be from there. Uh, anyhow, I, I really enjoy living this program, and I. Uh, And enjoy being married with Max. Uh, Max uh, mentioned that at the end of this year, we will have been married 58 years. We've known each other for over 70 years. And uh, last uh, December 2nd was our 57th wedding anniversary. And I told her that my gift to her for our wedding anniversary was that I was going to do everything that I could think of. Everything I could think of, not everything she could think of, uh, (laughs) to make our 58th year the best year of our marriage. And, uh, and every day since that time, I've reminded her of how lucky she is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but she, talk, she, talk, she mentioned about uh, communication, learning to communicate. I have come to the conclusion, I don't know if it's true or not, but I do think it's true, and I know it's good for me to believe that it's true and live my life as if it were true, that people treat me the way I have taught them to treat me. That if I don't like the way somebody's treating me, it's up to me to change my behavior rather than to try to get them to change theirs. Uh, Remember one time I said a thing on communication by Sister B., you got to get her up here if you haven't had her wonderful gown and hear her talk. And she was talking about communication, and she had got to a question and answer period, and somebody asked the question, "What is communication?" And I thought, well, that's a stupid question. <laughs> but then I was surprised when Sister B couldn't answer it, and I was not only surprised, I was disappointed when she says, "Paul, what, how would you answer that?" And I, I couldn't think of a good definition for interpersonal communication, but I did remember having read someplace that a measure, a measure of communication is the result it produces. A measure of your communication is the result it produces. And if you don't like the results you're getting, don't blame the other person, blame yourself. If you've taught them to treat you the way they're treating you, you can teach them different, differently different, whatever the right word is. Uh, teach them to do it differently. Uh, but anyway, I, I find that a real challenge. I have uh, become very conscious of the max of my communications and communications generally. Life is basically a communication problem. I have relationships with people, places, things, and situations and communications about those relationships. And I really think that an interpersonal relationship, a marriage, a, a partnership, uh, it really is an ongoing test of one's communication skills. Uh, I have enough of that, for God's sake. Uh, uh, Let me say this. I I was thinking, somebody showed me a computer program that that makes charts, and you uh, use this program in a computer and you put in data, and it'll make a pie chart and and cut it up in pieces and color it all and stuff like that, or make a um, bar graph and all that fancy stuff. And I thought, well if, if what would it, well, if I had a giant computer and put all the facts of my life into the computer with that program, what would a graph of my life look like? And I came to the conclusion that it would be like that, the Jelinek chart. That it would be a giant V. That my life started way, way over there. And it's going to end way, 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 way over there. And it's a V. And from the where, when I was born to, in, in 1918 until July 31st, 1967, it was on a downhill course. Now, it wasn't a straight line down. It was up and down. Just enough ups to keep me confused. <laughs> and when it went down, it went down earlier than further than it went down the last time. And I, it ended up in the... Uh, and I was a, it ended up in the nut ward of the hospital I was on the staff of. And that wasn't bad enough. <clears throat> I had to go to AA. And I went to AA for seven months and one extra meeting, too many. And I, I ex- finally, I accepted the fact that I, of all people, strange as it might seem, and even though I had no choice in the matter, I was a mild alcoholic. You know? <laughs> And from that point on, my life's been getting better and better and better and better. And today it's far better than it's ever been. And as far as I can tell, the only limit to how high it can go is how long I stay around doing the things I'm doing and keeping it going up. And how, with what intensity I keep doing this program. And again, it's not, it's not a straight line up. It's up and down, up and down. But even when it goes down... I know a lot of things to do to get to go back up. Go to more meetings, read the book, talk to a newcomer, call people on the program, start a new meeting. I, I can't think of anything else to do. I go start another meeting. Uh, anything, doing service, doing part of the AA, uh, and um, reaching out to others, or, or doing nothing. I know that when it goes down, it's going to go back up. Uh, that's when they say, sit still and hurt. Or as Winnie Eddie used to say, the El speaker, she said uh, that was the only Bible quote she ever used. She said the Bible says, "And it and it came to pass." She says the Bible did not say, "And it came to stay." Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. it's always going to get better. Yeah. I want all I can get out of this program. I don't think I know nobody can live long enough to get everything this program has to offer. But I want all I can get. I want all I can get. And it all started... The thing that fascinates me is the the point of the V. One act of acceptance of one reality changed the course of my life. And I thought, wouldn't that be something if I would just automatically accept every reality in my life as it comes without without even evaluating it? Because my tendency is to decide whether or not I like it. And approval... As Max said, has, I was going to say approval has nothing to do with acceptance. It does have a lot to do with acceptance. It's an impediment to acceptance. It's a serious thing. Answering the question why is an impediment to acceptance. Because the answer to the question why or why me is why why not? Why not you? Um, it was it Robert Schuller used to say, when people ask God why, they don't want an explanation. They want an argument. Yeah. but my point the thing that bothers me when I start thinking about the the change in the direction of my life as smart as I am (laughs) and as good looking why why did it take me that long to realize that I was an alcoholic and the only thing I can see is it has to do with that approval thing I didn't approve of me being an alcoholic and I thought if you if you accept something, that a priori means you approve of it. I mean, if you buy merchandise and obviously you must approve of it or you wouldn't have bought it, or well, you get it home and you find out it 's not what you thought it was, you don 't approve of it, you don't keep it, you take it back for god's sake <laughs> and that's the way it is out there in that world, but in god 's world and the world of reality, approval is i can't think of a single significant thing in reality of my life where anything was changed just because I didn't approve of it yeah in fact when I picture God up there creating reality working day and night holidays included (laughs) working like a fiend creating reality I just visualize one of his messengers coming up and saying oh my god god we got a problem Paul doesn't like the day we sent him. <laughs> I can just see God saying, "Well, you can tell him where to go." You know. <laughs> and I think that's basically that's our life. That's what it's all about. We, our job is to accept life, uh, whether we like it or not. And uh, I love that line in the middle of page 132 that says, uh, "We absolutely insist on enjoying life." absolutely insist on I've read many textbooks studied many textbooks never before ever saw a textbook on how to recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body a serious medical illness where part of the recovery was that you absolutely had to insist on enjoying your recovery and yet that I find if I'm not enjoying my relationship with Max I'm not doing it right if I'm not enjoying my program I'm not enjoying it right I'm not saying we have to be happy, 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 but in AA we can enjoy AA funerals. Somebody died sober. I mean, all kinds of things. We get joy, even in the, the misery that we're going through. Uh, the people in my head are arguing. Half of them keep telling me, your time is up, shut up. And the other half are saying, no, this is fun, let's sit in here and talk some more. <laughs> But, and, and, and one of them uh, one of them keeps telling say tell them that you love them and sit down and, but one, I hesitate to say I love you all because when I was new I'd hear people say that and say I, and I love you all and I think oh crap you, <laughs> you don't even know me you know, and if you did you wouldn't like me yeah. but anyway I love you all whether you like it or not thank you very much